Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Close enough to see his rich suntan um, and his general glowing sense of good health. Uh, what did he smell like? Smelt good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he smelt good. I thought, I thought so. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the View from the Lane, the Tottenham Hotspur podcast from the Athletic. I'm Danny Kelly, and I'm joined today by James Moore and the returning Charlie Eccleshare. And what a group of people! What a crowd! What a throng! What a tumult arrived uh, Heathrow to greet Charlie back into this country. Yeah, obviously that is really a piece of uh, no, you audio can, that. Ch- no, you can hear you can hear my dad saying "Sunny." Um, <laughs> oh right, okay, better. Go on. What, one of the men. Yeah, that, that's what that is. You were about you were about to say that's actually Son Heung Min in. Uh, yeah, in Seoul, no, right. You? No, it's not. It's, yeah. it's, it's me at Heathrow. Uh, welcome, uh, Charlie, and uh, welcome James Moore as well, who's also with us uh, today. Let's start with. I mean, I feel like. Um, there should be bunting in the streets and church bells ringing loudly because, James, um, Jed Spence is finally a Tottenham Hotspur footballer. Do you share my view that when they're so public and it takes so long, it takes a little bit of the fun out of it, doesn't it? Yeah, I would say it probably does. It does take that kind of snap of excitement that you get when like a transfer happens incredibly quickly from like it first becoming sort of common knowledge to, to the moment the player is actually kind of unveiled with the shirt. So yeah, how long has it been? About six months. I mean, maybe. Well, I mean, six months. Evidently, according to your piece, since he started talking about it. Uh, but I suppose two months since. Yeah. It, start, it sort of seemed to be mm. widely reported that he would join Tottenham. It really has kind of sapped any enthusiasm I have out of it. The fact <laughs> I, that it's I mean, been so it, protracted. Some of us. Some of us. We must be honest. Some of this is we are to blame. Us in the mainstream media, we are to blame insofar as we now. Uh, dig and ferret and unearth every slight twitch um, on the, uh, the the transfer web, the transfer grapevine, whatever it is, um, the, the transfer thing is these days. Because um, there was a time when all this stuff, the first you heard of it was um, in the newspaper the next day, or um, if it was an extraordinary uh, important transfer, it would make the news at 9 or 10 o'clock in the evening. I only know this because, and again, we'll start with uh, one of my uh, personal anecdotes that nobody believes is true, but this is absolutely <laughs> true. Um, I was such an enormous fan of Jimmy Greaves. I was obsessed with him. Um, and he got transferred to West Ham. This was on the 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock news, whichever one it was. And my dad came up to the bedroom and woke me up, which he never did, because, um, you know, sleep, school, that was what I was doing at the time, to tell me that Jimmy Greaves had been transferred so I wouldn't hear about it from people in the playground and be upset. <laughs> now, there, there, some, there is some A-plus parenting right there, I think. Um, but well, now we've got Jed Spence, um, and he's been seen in the lovely new um, home shirt. We'll talk uh, perhaps a little bit later on about the uh, the, kit, the other kit that's been unveiled, the one that looks like um, a little trainer. Uh, we'll get on to that in a second. 
Um, Charlie, uh, you, I've read your piece, and, and uh, it is a full-length athletic piece about the transfer. Just give people the background of this, because I was, you know, the eight weeks had already been a thing, but this has been going on for six months. Yeah, I mean, this this dates back a long time, and back, back in January, Spence was telling his Forest teammates that he would be heading to Tottenham. Um, now, there, there was a chance that could even have happened in January had Middlesbrough recalled him and then sold him straight away, but sort of too many moving parts at that time for that to happen. And Forrest really didn't want him to go back because he was so important to them. And they basically renegotiated with Borough um, to pay so they couldn't do that, essentially. They couldn't recall him midway through the season. And if you remember back then as well, Spurs were going after Adama Traore. Um, that was kind of the... Who, who looked like being the front runner at that point. Anyway, it didn't happen then. Um, but then Spence... I mean, he was amazing in January, if you remember, against Arsenal in the FA Cup and then a month later against Leicester. Um, and, you know, it was hugely important to Forrest in their promotion bid. And, and you know, the sense was always that it would be Spurs who he'd go to. He really wanted to go there. He's from London. He knows Ryan Sessegnon, played with him up through the under-12s to under-16s at Fulham. And so it was one of those where, you know, the, the player wanted to do it, Spurs wanted to do it. But it just came down to, you know, reaching an agreement with Middlesbrough that was acceptable. And I think Middlesbrough, they were well aware of how his star had risen because they had told Forrest um, in, in the second half of last season, soon after January, that, you know, around 10 to 12 million was what they'd expect for him. And then obviously they've ended up selling him for with add-ons 20. So, you know, I think they were very keen to absolutely maximise their asset which obviously you'd expect and and Forrest as well they did because it was taking a long time between um, Spurs Steve and Forrest to, and Daniel sorry Lee, yeah, yeah between Spurs and Middlesbrough exactly to reach this mm. agreement they did think well let's have a little check um, but the fee was too much for them though his wages I'm told are, are not especially high perhaps unsurprising given he's coming from a championship club where he was being paid, you know, by Premier League standards, very little. Um, so in that respect, Forrest could have done it, but the fee they couldn't really match. So Spurs basically had it unopposed. I mean, re- reporting the piece as well, Chelsea did consider uh, going for Spence as a Reese James backup, but didn't really take it any further. So it has just been one of those where both clubs negotiating hard and, um, you know, eventually reach a point where they're both happy. But uh, but I agree with you. I mean, it is it's weird because it is, it's only July 21st and you know, incredibly, the fact that he's the Spurs' sixth signing of the summer is amazing, but it has felt as if it's dragged on a long time. You, yeah. You know, not one where it sort of comes out of nowhere. And then, and, and what that means as well is with such a long lead time, you have the time to go from the, this is a great signing to inevitably the backlash of, oh, is it really such a good signing? Actually, if you look at this, it's not such a good signing. And then the sort of backlash to the backlash. So we've kind of gone through that journey before he's even played a game. So that, that that's the, that's the narrative, if you like. That's that's the arc of how how he got there. Yeah, let's find out what kind of player Spurs are getting, what kind of contribution he could make to the team. Mark Carey of the Athletic has been taking a real close look at what might happen. Hi, Mark Carey here, data analyst for the Athletic. Uh, just a quick one to point you in the direction of a piece currently out on site about the new Spurs signing, Jed Spence. Now. The article is written by our new tactics writer, Liam Tharm, who gives a great breakdown of Spence's profile at Nottingham Forest last season and particularly how he matches what Antonio Conte wants in a wing back, which, as we know, is good physicality and strong in both an attacking 
and defensive side of their game. Now, put simply, Spence has energy to burn. He loves a dribble and he keeps his width very well, which is different from um, Spurs' other options, especially Matt Doherty. And there's some data in there from me for good measure as well. So, I mean, at 21 years old, Spurs are buying Spence for his potential as much as his current talent. But under Conte, you'd, you know, you'd expect him to go up another level as well. So head over to The Athletic and uh, give it a check out, give it a read. Which uh, takes us, James, to the issue that immediately after the transfers finally announced... Um, Antonio Conte rode away from it in that extraordinary Antonio Conte way. Or was I? Am I overreacting to the fact that he said this is a club purchase, nothing to do with me? Or it, may, it wasn't as strong as that, was it? I, I mean, he did say vaguely similar things about Bentancur and Kulusevski in February, I guess, quite quite soon after they had arrived, when he was talking about them being young players for the future and the club needed to sign players with potential rather than players who were kind of at their peak now so I, I wouldn't necessarily be too worried that he's not going to play him or that he's going to be unhappy about his contribution or unhappy at having him in the squad I think it was more just probably him underlining the fact that it, it, he isn't the only one in charge of transfers at the club and may, maybe he is you know positioning himself just in case it doesn't work out but I don't I, you know it, it seems to have been one that's been driven by Daniel Levy the whole way through I think I'm right in saying that, aren't I, Charlie? Well, certainly the negotiation side, yeah. And, you know, helped by the fact he has this existing relationship with the players' reps. Um, yeah. So. Okay. I, but I do think on that, I mean, I was there, that, that um, the Conte quotes, they, we had a little huddle, uh, the four of us UK journalists that went out um, and one other who was there with Conte um, on, when was it? Saturday night. And he, you know, obviously in that environment, you get a much more candid uh, version of him because he's not talking to almost a hundred people with you know flashbulbs going off every second. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those where he said it. Uh, you could t- there's always a little sort of frisson of something when he says something that you think, okay, that's that's quite interesting. That's a good line here. And when he said that, that was definitely that moment. You know, and it, he he was pretty clear. You know, he said it about three times in pretty quick succession. This is a club signing, and I, I do think it's interesting because. I say this in the piece that he is by far the least experienced of the eight players uh, that Spurs have signed for Conte since Conte came in. And yes, you know, Bentoncourt and Kudusevsky, and Kudusevsky similar in age, you know, he was still coming off a good few seasons at Juve. And when they signed him, I mean, he Conte did reference the fact they were young, um, you know, and had a lot of potential, but he does also talk about them as ones for now. I think that the thing is with, you know, with all these signings, Antonio Conte, in an ideal world for him, he's sort of hinted at this and more or less said it and his actions suggest it. He's not that interested in having this sort of balance between young and more experienced established. I think if he had his way, he's he's thinking about the here and now. He would rather just have, you know, already made players, not necessarily all Perisic's, but certainly people like Basuma and Richarlison who, you know, can come in and they're very low risk. We know they're Premier League ready. Spence is the the sort of biggest risk i suppose of all the players they've signed and that ties in more with you know what levy's often wanted to do um if he's overseeing things bringing in young talented players and that's what paratici started last summer so it's just quite interesting because you have these um sort of competing interests which will always be there when you're talking about a director of football who's there to think about the long term and you've got a head coach and certainly someone like Conte, who really, you know, especially he's not necessarily been a kind of project manager 
who's thinking more about the immediate term. So it will be interesting. And, uh, you know, he clearly, you know, he's given it, given the signing the green light, and I'm sure he'll make a lot of spends. Um, but it's just interesting because it's a different profile of signing from what we've seen previously since he joined. A word, a word of praise. Uh, this is very unusual um, for the Spurs social media gang. Him being the sixth signing and their little thing they did about the sixth sense being the sixth spence was really, really good. I'm sure, I'm sure you saw that. Um, I, I see also, dead people. I've also closing, crossing my fingers that that means that we're going to get at least two more signings across the line because um, signing seven in the summer despite the fact that Christian Eriksen was one of those seven. Um, hmm. And Eric Lamella was our king of shithousing for many years before he was replaced by his countrymen at the back. Um, so really, I need eight signings, not seven. Superstition, but there you are. I also like the idea, the, you know, the, the, the standard received wisdom is that you cannot change too many players um, during the summer. You'll upset the balance of the squad and all the rest of it. What a load of nonsense. Um, you've got better players, you'll have a better team. So Charlie, just um, we might as well do it here. Any more sort of twitchings about further transfers once now that Jed Spence has been done? Well, the an attacking midfielder is probably the most likely addition now. Um, a name that's been mentioned is James Madison, which I'm really curious to see where it goes from here because I've been steered away from that. Um, but, you know, these things can go one way and then a player can come back into the picture. He's a player that... Spurs have looked at, been linked with before. You know, it's probably true of a lot of clubs with him because he's, he's English. Yeah, he's English, exactly. And that was another thing with Spence, the home, you know, ticks the homegrown box. Um, so that position certainly is one to keep an eye on. Uh, and the sense has always been, you know, with, with the centre back, they've got long lay in, so they're not bent over a barrel. They don't have to sign a left sided centre back. But obviously, if, if in, in the next month or so, if that did present itself, then. I'm sure they'd love to strengthen there as well. Okay. Um, the other name that, that, that I saw floated by an, a, you know, a not really in the know was Nabil Fakir, a name that's you know, been linked with the Premier League for the last thousand years. Um, his club have just bought uh, or in the process of buying Awa from uh, another one, who, of course, is always going to Premier mm-hmm. League clubs, um, from Lyon. Unlikely to play them both together. Um, Betis, but um, has that a name that's been occurred to you at all, um, Nabil Fakir? No, I haven't heard that. Okay. Um, but, you know, again, that's, these things can change, but right. no, not one. I've heard all right, let's, no. let's go back to, 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 to Jed then, because um, Spurs have now got three out-and-out uh, right wing-backs and one putative right wing-back we'll come on to. Um, who is going to leave, James? Because I, I keep seeing that Emerson Royale is the man that's going to be on his way. That means Spurs really going into the se- into the new season with an untried Premier League right wing back. Um, and in Matt Doherty, a player who has played several really good games for Spurs, but very rarely all one after the other, I suppose just before his injury. Well, I mean, Doherty is the one of the, of the four that you just mentioned there who has like proper experience of playing in that role in the Premier League so I mean in a sense you'd say he should really be kind of at the front of the pack especially given how he played before that injury last season and I mean you're right in saying that was only really for maybe a month of his two years it was a good spell it was a good spell it was a a very good spell and you know and this is very well documented on this podcast now at that moment we thought that was the end of the upward turn and then it was all going to fall apart and they did have a little bit of a wobble but clearly you know, Royal did play well in that role. When I mean, we talked about his performance at Anfield defensively, he was incredible that night. So yeah, I, I can see why if you were Conte, you would rather have 
Doherty, who feels slightly more attuned to, to what Conte's after there than Royale, who is a defender first and foremost. And also, I mean, Royale just feels like, you know, a Brazilian international has done well at clubs in Spain before. It just feels like it's more likely to be takers yeah. for somewhere near the money they signed him for last summer. Yeah, he's way more sellable. I mean, he's 23, yeah. Doherty's yeah. 30. So I think that makes a lot more sense. But it, it, it does come back to that issue that I go on about that is hard at the moment to sell to teams outside the Premier League, um, especially for that you know for that amount of money. But I still think he's 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 more likely to go than Doherty. And it is you know it is useful that Mora can you know it looks like he can do a job there. He's he's been good in the last two friendlies. Well, look if you wanted to sell Emerson Royale back to a Spanish club, you'd probably want to sell him to the Spanish club where he did really well on loan the season before last, right? And maybe if they don't have the money, you could do a part exchange. It's real Betis, right? Yeah. yeah. I've squared the circle, mate. You have. Um, and we're going to be doing part exchange, uh, apparently, uh, deals with lots of clubs in Spain with, when Reguilón goes back to Seville and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, these swap deals that always happen. Yeah, they always. really, absolutely. I mean, I'm amazed people don't just try and do straight transfers occasionally. Why do we always rely on swap deals? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> here's, a, here's a thought for you both. Um, let's assume Bergvine's gone. Let's assume they get half decent money. I'm not even saying pre-pandemic money for Rodon, Royal, um, Sergio Reguilón, Winks, Lo Celso. I'm not. I'm obviously there's nobody going to buy in Domble. I can say this because Jack's not here. Um, Spurs will have then recouped as much as they spent so far. So the famous 150 million. James and Charlie are still there for them to go out and buy whoever the hell they want. <laughs> well, that's why I think, A, this attacking creative player, and uh, if the left side of centre-back pops up, then they can still do that. Is this, is this is this just hanging around for, for, I mean, the, for the fellow from Inter Milan? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly, just w- waiting for Bastoni, uh, the, the lesser-known Beckett play. But, um, I mean, we're still, we're still talking about... <laughs> Uh, you're still suggesting, Danny, that's a huge amount of money to recoup. I think even the most optimistic. I know they got good money for Bergvine, but I don't see them getting... I mean, you know, Basuma and uh, Richarlison alone were around 90, um, taking in add-ons. And of course, I think they're gonna, are they going to have to pay for Romero in the next few days as well? Depends if you count that. Yeah, I mean, that, that, beca- that 40-odd million deal becomes permanent this summer. So you know, I, I, with the best one in the world, I don't think you know, you know, twenty-five million for Roden here, twenty million for Winks there. I, I don't see that. Okay, well, uh, and Spurs don't operate like Barcelona. Was it the uh, one of the many, many chiefs at Bayern Munich commenting on the Lewandowski transfer in the last twenty-four hours? Yeah, said, that was good. Uh, yeah, the the the, um, the 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 magic money at Barcelona they just don't they just seem to, to drag it out of nowhere um, talk to me about um, Lucas Moura I've not seen the friendlies I'm afraid to say um, there's, I, I watch uh, the Tour de France all day just now and then the Athletics all night I honestly believe that by about half past three in the morning there are more people in the BBC studio than there are actually watching the coverage <laughs> um, and, and, I, I mean it I think Athletics it, it's it's I love it, but it's so dead in the water, isn't it? Nobody gives a monkeys. It's not even in the newspapers that the World Championship is going on. It's really terrible. One of um, my best friends is out there at the moment uh, right. report, reporting on this very thing, so I will, uh, I'll tell okay. him not to listen to this segment. No, it's I, I not even, even in the newspapers. I didn't even... Is it in the States? It's, yeah, in, it's, it's, it's in, in Oregon. In, 
Yeah. Um, so the, that's why I haven't seen the friendlies. How has Mora got on at uh, to right wing? Because he wouldn't have been my choice. I'd have thought Kulusevski, although Mora's a, he's a willing runner, isn't he? That, that, that's, that's fair to say. I think he ticks a lot of boxes. And I did. I watched him quite closely in the second game because um, it was quite a surprise he was starting there, given it was quite funny because it was on the day that Spence was all but confirmed. We were waiting for that breakthrough and then they had Doherty and Royale there. So it's kind of like they've already got three right wing backs, but let's try Mora. But it's one that I know a lot of listeners and readers have been pushing for for a while. I mean, it was always him or Bergvine, who's going to be the Victor Moses. Um, and then Conte did speak afterwards saying that, you know, he thought Mora had done well and he's definitely an option. I mean, he was good. He He... You know, he's so diligent and he gets up and down. He's good in the air. He made a good back post header defensively. I, I think there's no reason he can't do that role um, to a decent level. And we've talked about it ad nauseum this uh, constricted season because the World Cup, five subs, Champions League, yada, yada, yada. Like, you do need as many options as you can. And I, I can totally see a world in which they're chasing a game, chuck more on and just overwhelm teams. You know, I think they've done that at times really well under Conte. We found our Victor Moses after all after all these months. No, I was just going to say on Spence one 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 final thing. What, mm-hmm. what I think is interesting that came across researching this piece on him is that, as has been well documented, he and Neil Warnock didn't really see eye to eye, um, and Forrest. You know, there were some issues with his timekeeping, but it was in, in that sort of you little scamp kind of way. You know, that was broadly how Steve Cooper dealt with it. You know, the classic arm around the shoulder and the view at Forrest was very much that he responded to the carrot rather than the stick. Um, it, so it will be interesting, though, to see how Conte approaches that. You know, and I don't imagine... You know, it's one thing as well if you're the best, one of the best players in a team and you maybe get cut a little bit mm. of slack. Um, you know, how much does that... Uh, I don't imagine Conte will be um, too understanding of that. So it'll just be interesting to see how uh, how that relationship develops. Right, I think it's just about every possible angle we could take on the signing of <laughs> Jed Spence uh, explored there. No, he is taken in that, it's taken Spurs so long to get this across the line. We've been piling these things up, things we might say about Jed Spence. Um, I, well, what I actually say, I advise you to go to The Athletic if you're a subscriber and read Charlie's piece. Um, really all laid out there for you. Uh, exactly what Spurs are getting, how and they got to where they are and what kind of player the fella is. Meanwhile... Back in Korea, where we know Charlie's just returned from, he finally um, got his finger out and spent less time in restaurants eating with the uh, <laughs> presenters of rival podcasts uh, and vlogs and things like that. He finally got his finger out and managed to track down some English-speaking Spurs fans. Is he your idol? Is he the of number one? Of course my idol, yeah. Everyone's idol? Yeah, my inspiration. Yeah. Inspiration. Yeah, inspiration. How old are you? I'm 28 this year. Yeah. And what's your name? I'm Song Jun. Song Jun. Yeah, and what's yeah. her name? I, I'm Chong. And do you support Tottenham now? Of course, yeah, yeah. I've seen their games two times in Korea this year. Will you yeah. support them even when Son leaves? Of course. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I always watch their, you know, like games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the time. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Highlights as well. Do you at home? Do you have any son memorabilia, like pictures and? Oh um, no, I mean, too bad I don't have any. But I'm going to get a uniform because my brother is in the UK, so he's going to oh, get a cool. uniform for me. The kit. Yeah, at the end of the year. Yeah, jersey. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, you, 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 you. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's your name, first of all? Olivia. Olivia. How old are you? Um, I'm 20. How old are these guys? Uh, Those people are 19, but in Korean age. Okay, so it's a bit younger in in UK age. How excited are you to see Sonny? Honestly, I'm so thrilled to be here. (laughs) Well, I actually saw him a few days ago, like in the match and in the open training. But still, it's always so exciting to see him and also other players. (laughs) (laughs) Who are your favorite other players? Uh, Richarlison. Richarlison, okay. And I like uh, Romero, too. Yeah, is, well, I love everyone. <laughs> is, uh, so are you from, did you grow up here and everything? Uh, I, I was born here, but I don't live here. I'm oh. just here for Do you live in the States? No, I live in Canada. Oh, do you? Oh, wow, so, we're both well, you live in Canada? Yeah. I'm from Vancouver. Oh, I'm from Toronto. Uh, <laughs> okay. Are they rivals? Kind yeah. of. <laughs> yeah, you can kind of see that. Uh, okay, cool. Is, is Sonny, do you think, the biggest sort of star in Korea? Yeah, of course. He's the biggest star. He gets loved everywhere. Like... I think more than any other K-pop idol, he's just really? the best because, you know, everyone knows him regardless of the age. Yeah, that's you the know? impression I get. And do you think he's just gone up and up and up in popularity the last few years? Um, in Korea or yeah. international? Well, in Korea, I think everybody knew him because yeah. you know, his, like, nation's favorite. Yeah. 
I think his popularity is going Yeah, welcome back to The View from the Lane. That was another of the English-speaking uh, Korean Spurs fans that Charlie Eckershaw managed uh, to speak to during his trip to uh, Southern Asia uh, last week. Yeah, good to get some English. Mo- most worse being in Korean and were then interpreted to me. But yeah, all, all of that stuff, the kind of Son mania at the airport fed into this sort of broader piece on Son in Korea and uh, how big he is there and some of the quirkier ways he's uh, he's celebrated. Uh, but yeah, you can read that piece on The Athletic. You're listening to me, Danny Kelly, and uh, Charlie Eckershaw, and James Moore is with us as well. Missing um, is our colleague uh, Jack Pitt-Brook, but he is also contributing today, everybody. I haven't been anywhere quite as interesting as Korea this week, but I did go to Bromley last night to watch Tottenham Under-21's Friendly at Hayes Lane. I basically went out of curiosity. It's not that far from where I live, um, but it was a really fun evening. So the game was nearly a victim of the climate crisis twice over in that Spurs asked for it to be moved from Tuesday night and then on Wednesday night, kickoff was delayed for an hour because of climate protesters on the M25. But um, Spurs brought some pretty well-known youngsters. Niall John, Malachi Fagan-Walcott, Marcel Vinier all started. Um, Spurs didn't start very well, but they improved when Jamie Donnelly, the very highly rated 17-year-old midfielder, came on in the first half. Romain Mundell put Spurs 1-0 up with a powerful shot cutting in from the right-hand side. Uh, Mundell then scored the second from the penalty spot in the second half after being fouled himself. Um, Tottenham made a lot of changes throughout the 2-0 win. But the best players were Donnelly, Mundell and Niall John. Uh, but I would also recommend going to Bromley to anyone in the sort of broader South East London area who wants to watch National League football at some point. Yeah, J- Jack reporting there from the leafy depths of, of South uh, London. Um, what was he doing there, James? You're in charge of all these um, <laughs> right bots. Uh, as I think a lot of Spurs fans will know by now, Danny Rose has been training with and playing a few friendlies for Tottenham's uh, under-21 team. I love that. So we thought it would be a good idea if Jack went along to, to go and watch him play. But unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, not only was the game delayed, uh, I think about an hour by uh, anti-fuel protesters on the M25, but also Danny Rose didn't play in the game. So Jack went along to uh, to watch Spurs under-21s beat a non-league team uh, for no reason, really. I mean, it sounds like he had a good time, so all is good. He only missed a fantastic night of uh, of football in the women's Euros as well, so it, it, there you go. It, it, I'm actually, listening to that, first of all, let me just say that, of course, anti-fuel protesters got it very easy just now, don't they? Normally, in, in Britain, they have to buy glue and stick themselves to the road. <laughs> but the current temperatures, you just lie down and the tarmac will, will, will come to you, won't it? Um, but it, what, it? Something came out of just listening to Jack's voice there. Some some names, that, you know, slightly familiar to Spurs fans, boys that, and young men are bubbling under. Um, but with the current plan, Conti's avowed plan, uh, James, to have two proper players for every position, are we going to get, and we've seen how many players they've bought this, this summer, are we going to be in a position soon at Spurs where, like Chelsea, it's going to be very hard for the, the good players, the kids, to get, get through into the first team? I know Oliver Skip has done it, but uh, are we heading towards that kind of blockage? Maybe. I mean, uh, the, the first thing I'd say on that, without wanting to be sort of uh, like alarmist or negative, is that Conte isn't going to be the Spurs manager forever. I mean, realistically, he's probably not going to be the Spurs manager for more than another sort of two and a half, three years, right? We, we kind of know that's the way a manager mm-hmm. like that will operate. And most so, managers, if he stays two and a half, three years, then he's done more than most yeah, managers, exactly. to be fair. If, if he's ever another two and a half years, he's done three years yeah. at, at a big club. That's a decent stint, actually, yeah. in the Premier yeah. League. So that would be fine. 
Um, so yeah, then that could easily change after that, by which point these, these lads who are like 19, 20 will be, what, like 21, 22, and then they're, they're, maybe then they're knocking on a door having been out on loan somewhere. Uh, and also, you know, I think, and uh, they didn't both play. D- D- Alfie Devine did play in this game, and he would definitely be one who I would suspect would be, well, I think, I think he's going he's to go out on loan, but I don't think he's going to be too far away yeah. from Conte's thoughts when he comes back. And uh, Dane Scarlett, who didn't play in this game, uh, you know, has been involved in in European matches in the last couple of seasons, so I, you know that probably won't happen in the Champions League. But I, 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 I don't think it's going to a huge problem. I mean, it doesn't feel to me like Spurs are further away from getting young players into the team than they were ten years ago. Mm. Say no, you know they had they had a, a purple patch clearly when Kane, Mason, Bentaleb, if you're counting, Livermore, Coulker, Townsend, Livermore, just before that got into the team. And all went on to play for their countries, which is incredible. Mm. You know, look at like Peter Crouch, kind of in the way that you're kind of alluding to there, Danny, didn't, couldn't see a way for himself to get into the team at Tottenham, so went off to QPR Portsmouth and then kind of forged a career and ended up coming back round. But, the, you know, there was a big gap between like that early 90s... Stuart Nethercourt. That centre-back who, who we were talking about the other week, I can't remember what his name is now, I think he played for Arsenal or whatever, that bloke. Yeah. And some of the others in that early 90s bit... Between then and Harry Kane, it was only like what, like Ledley King, who really kind of did anything in terms of like matches in the first team, having not left and come back. So it's, uh, it's not like this, this would be the end of a rich history of Spurs getting players into the first team. It would be bad if it didn't happen, and obviously they need to be trying to utilise the academy. But I don't think you know getting getting Kane into your first team and whatever people say, getting Winks into your first team. A reminder again, he played in the Champions League final. Uh, then getting Skip into your first team over Tanganga. like six, seven years Tanganga in a squad as well. But that's a pretty good return actually. Yeah, if no, you're I'd getting agree. one player in every two or two years into your first team and playing a lot of matches. I mean, at the level Spurs are at, I think that's a success. Yeah, and, and, and um, you know, where Daniel Levy would like to match the problem Chelsea had um, or have, whichever way you like to look at it, is the sheer amount of transfer money that Chelsea have generated mm. over the years yeah, it is incredible. from these famous players who can't get in their team. It has paid for the running of the club for the past 10 years. Incredible uh, amount of money. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure about that, Danny. I don't know if you've read the papers in the last few months. Sanctioned individual, well, might have something to say I, about that. I understand they've got no debt now, Chelsea, <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's all worked out for the best. It's self-sustaining model, best. yeah. And thank you and thank you very much indeed to the person on Twitter who, of course, if you mention any player who's ever come from the Spurs Academy, um, they managed to produce a picture of the aforementioned Stuart Nethercott in an Arsenal shirt. Um, I don't know if you saw that, but the, actually the highlight of that picture, I'll tweet out again today actually so that people hearing my voice can see it, um, is a sort of 12-year-old Ray Parler. Um, <laughs> yeah. Very, very good. exactly the same. Hey, oh, just, no. just by way of comparison, and by the way, there's a bit of piece, this is completely by coincidence, there's a piece that, uh, the Athletics Chelsea correspondent Liam Toomey has written that's gone out this morning, Wednesday morning, uh, sorry, Thursday morning, on this dilemma that Chelsea have got of you know with all these amazing academy players that can't get in the first team, should they force them into the team or should they cash in? Uh, and there's a table in here, and just by way of comparison between Spurs and Chelsea, this is since 2017, Chelsea have sold academy players uh, for a total of 163.5 million in what five years and Spurs have sold 20 million worth of academy players so there's 143.5 million difference in terms of what those two clubs have sold in academy players so the, that is the case Spurs could about. have 
could have uh, overtaken Chelsea had they decided to. I think we're broadly in agreement that was yeah. a mistake. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about Harry Winks. Sorry, yeah. you're talking about Harry Winks. Yes, when they could have sold Winks. Danny's, Danny's fee for Harry Winks is under 70, Yeah, 75 million for, for the H. That, that's fair enough. Um, you've been speaking, you, you mentioned before the break, uh, Charlie, that you had this, uh, I think the phrase you used was a huddle mm. um, with Antonio Conte. <laughs> Two questions that people would want me to ask you. Um, how long did that huddle last? Uh, it was only about 10, 10 or so minutes. Okay, well, that's, provided everybody's not talking over each other, that's, that's plenty. And um, how intimate was it? Were you physically, how, what, yeah, was, the, what that, was the physical proximity of everyone? That does imply we're all kind of arm in arm and he's giving yeah. us instructions like a, a Sunday league manager. Not quite, um, but, you know, close enough to see his rich suntan um, and his general glowing sense of good health. Uh, what did he smell like? He smelled good. <laughs> Yeah, he, yeah. S- he smelled yeah. good. I thought the so. hair looked good. It was all all on point. Even close up, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's oh. uh, yeah. It, it was all it was all on I point. Must, I must ask him who did it. And, uh... <laughs> well, the, the the trend down is to go to Turkey. Um, apparently, if you okay. fly back from Istanbul, you'll see lots of young men um, having right. having just been to a clinic. That's the sort of hot spot. But I imagine Conte, judging from how good it looks, he might have gone somewhere slightly more high end. I don't know. Um, oh, well, I mean, it, 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 it's never occurred to me. I am what I am, but I, I worked for many years on the radio, very every day for two years with Darren Goff, and I used to take great pleasure in examining um, uh, his regrowth. And actually, to be fair, very, very good indeed. Um, so let me get this right. So Bulgaria for new teeth, as I understand it, and Turkey for new hair. Yeah, I believe so. All right, good. Well, well, worth knowing when when I start my rebuild. <laughs> The, pain, the painful re-up. rebuild. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that would be, be putting off for several years. Uh, spot on. Um, um, but yes. What, is, what, did he, what did he have to say well, in this nice smelling huddle? Yeah, he... Sorry, sorry. But, without revealing too many confidences, who were the other people in the huddle and how did they smell? Yeah, the other people in the huddle were the, were the other journalists <laughs> out in Korea. Uh, Name names. Let's have them out. Well, you had Tom Tom Barkley from The Sun. You had Alistair Gold from Football London. Matt Barlow from The Mail. And uh, Lee Sung-mo, who, um, you know, has covered... He's from Korea and he's covered Son Mm. and Korean football um, for some time. An absolute legend, by the way, who... People probably won't care about this, but he's the he was who was taking us to all these uh, amazing Korean restaurants and generally uh, was able to point us in the direction of good things to see and do in Korea. Anyway, we digress. Conte, I mean, yeah. the, the the what was significant was it was the first time we'd had a, a huddle or equivalent with him since he decided to stay uh, at Spurs, and obviously he'd done press conferences, but it is a very different uh, feel. How, how it you know how it works as some people know, some people won't. You generally in pre-match press conferences have the broadcast section, which is what's filmed, and everyone sees that. And then how it used to be was everyone would then kind of stand, the the written journalist would stand up and kind of move towards the manager and kind of encircle him in this slightly weird arrangement. But now because of COVID and things like that, that doesn't happen quite so much. So it was quite it felt like quite a throwback to have the sort of physical proximity um, to the manager. And it is it is just a lot more intimate. The cameras are off. Um, and there's a different feel to it. You can go in depth into things that you can't really in the broadcast section. And there's a bit of a strategy to it. You know, you're 
agree as a pack in inverted commas before well, what do we want to get him on uh, and and how do we want to kind of ask and then can someone ask a kind of supplementary question and all of this and obviously that that you know was one of the things was about he, he'd said it was an easy decision to stay at Spurs a couple of days earlier so sort of getting into that and also one of the things we were trying to push him on was you know I said to him you know he talked about it being a miracle to get top four last season well what would winning the league be this season is that would that be similarly miraculous is that something you're thinking about he didn't bite too much on the kind of idea that they would be title contenders but I did think it was interesting he talked about how he wanted teams to be scared and then he corrected himself to worried about Spurs but clearly that Mm -hmm. is something you know he's conscious of Um, and you know he's got last season he went and beat City drew twice with Liverpool he knows that his first team on their day can scare those teams and worry them and so it's about doing it over a more extended period of time Um, or very early in the season against Chelsea well exactly exactly that game is so massive Uh, and because Conte's talked about in March he said how much he you know he wanted to play them because he got beaten by them three times early on in his time and now he felt they were so much better so he you know he knows that this team's getting a lot better the sense I get from the players uh, as well as the same you know they all believe that this could be something so it was it was, it was just really good to have that um, that FaceTime with him yeah and he talks about being happier there and all the rest of it but people like me are going to constantly still say then um and you said he might do two and a half, another two and a half years at Spurs. Um, I think James said that. But he can't do it without having signed a contract. Um, is there any feeling of when um, he's going to be asked to put pen to paper? No. You know, he's not going to not, not do zero hours. They're not going to ring him up each morning saying, will you come in and coach the players? <laughs> Are they? He, he holds the power, though. I mean, he doesn't need to... You know why would he rush into that? Really, he 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 can do as he what he's in such a strong position. I think, um, mm-hmm. and you know we tried to get him a bit on that. Uh, you know, do, do you think you'll stay long term? And he just said, you know, batted it away. Really, he said, you know what football's like; it can change really quickly. So I don't I I, I don't think that's really how he operates. He's not that sentimental. He will, you know, he's happy now, but he's aware that things could change. You know, this is a guy who walked out on Inter having just won the league um mm-hmm. you know he is he makes good on his threats they they're not idle and i think had spurs not backed him as he wanted to be this summer he might well have left even with them getting into the top 4 so i think you just kind of have to accept that the trade off for having a manager as good as him is that he knows how good he is and he's uh He's not going to be undervalued, but the benefit of that is you get summers like this where it's ba- he basically says put up or shut up and he, he is getting backed. And this is one of the most exciting transfer windows ever for Spurs. Is that, you know... Yeah. That's, uh, uh, oh, hang on. Ooh. I don't think so. Go on. I, I would say on on paper, if you, t- if you took me back to... And you were talking mm. about that Magnificent Seven earlier, yep. Danny. If you took me back to like the end of a 2013 summer transfer window when obviously Bale left but uh, who is it K- Kirikes Capu Paulinho Soldado Lamella Chadley Ericsson brilliant that's right isn't it that to me was more exciting but you lost this. Bale and that, that is that... even with lose, even losing their best player but that... and Stephen Corcoran but that's objectively um, mad no you lost <laughs> that's like set, but that uh, but, I, but it was very exciting to start people, I think you're looking back through the lens of knowing this yeah. particularly Soldado and Paulinho yes, on yes on the seven, garbage. but you knew at the time you'd lost Paul- the best player, Paulinho. and you, you're the best player by a distance. 
uh, Paulinho was like one of the most in demand players in Europe at that point. I mean, uh, that's probably that's probably slightly that was probably slightly exaggerated, but uh, he was very much like deemed an incredible signing, Paulinho. And Soldado had scored like an absolute shadow of goals in the previous couple of seasons for Valencia. So uh, I think the idea that they were going to bring in this amazing all-action midfield player, but like Brazilian, no less, this guy who has scored a shedload of goals for a very good team in Spain. Uh, Ericsson, who... We all knew was going to be a really good amazing. player, yeah. yeah. Lamella, who had scored like 20 goals or 17 goals or something for Roma in the previous season. Chadley looked quite good. Kapu and Kirikes, maybe we weren't quite certain about, but we felt like, yeah. <laughs> given all the other things that were going on, they were probably going to be decent. I was kind of more excited about that than I am about this. And this isn't like to, you know, I'm not suggesting any of the players Spurs have signed are bad players, but if you're looking at it at a very basic level, you've got the guy who's 33, yep. is he? Who's going to play on the wing? And I'm not suggesting he's not quick enough, but that is <laughs> those are the facts. Yep. Uh, a guy who's played for a mid-table team in the Premier League, a bloke who plays up front for a team who nearly got relegated, a guy who's just played in the Championship... A bloke who was terrible at Barcelona. Who am I missing? Have I got Forster? No, yeah, and the uh, the very old goalkeeper. Oh, no. I mean, uh, <laughs> and if you can't get up, Forster, Fraser Forster. <laughs> Fraser Forster, who couldn't get in the Southampton team for well, he did get back in, but then he lost his place again. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I look, if you break it down like I, that, I, it is no, think... great. But I, I'm I'm not saying this isn't going to improve a squad loads, but I I'm not sure it's going to improve a team loads. And I know those those are two separate things, and they are both important independently of each other, but. I'm not sat here thinking that team team on paper is way, way better than it was in May. I, I think that's really... I mean, I think I, I think what you're saying about exciting, that there's something valid there versus... Well, I've been saying it. Yeah, well, yeah. So you, you I know, we, we haven't been listening properly, James. And I have to say, I'm going straight on Twitter now to have a go at you. But, <laughs> but, but, but there yeah, is thanks. just such an enormous difference because 2013 was scrabbling to keep heads above water because you just lost a player who had not carried that's but going too far team but for the had, yeah, had yeah okay team, fine you, you can you can say it good um yeah had basically i mean he it was like roy the rovers stuff a lot of the time that season mm. he would just pick the ball up beat three men and smash one in the top corner i mean his last game for the club he, he did that basically so that felt so different because that was like we've lost our best player again for the second straight season for the second straight summer yeah hopefully these guys can offset that loss but they're unlikely to make us better whereas this time they this time they might some of them might be more smarter less exciting signings because they're not from other leagues i do think that's a big part of it though as well when it's players from other leagues we don't roberto soldado is more sexy exactly than exactly because you, well, it, that's an undeniable yeah truth. yeah you don't you don't uh you don't know him but like but, but i think someone like basuma is an amazing signing and does instantly make the team not just the squad loads better i also yeah, i also think spence will you charlie your problem is you're like completely like wedded to logic. It's not <laughs> yeah. about logic. It's about, about feelings. You're, uh, feelings. You're asking about excitement yeah. and emotion. I was got, I didn't even give you 2008 when there's Gomez, Modric, Chorluka, Pavlichenko, Fraser Campbell. Uh, Fraser Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've missed someone good. I've missed someone good. Who have I missed? Giov- uh, Giovanni dos Santos. I feel like there's someone else as well. Well, you, you haven't mentioned the player who left that summer as well. Well, Berbatov and Keane and yeah. Steve Marbronk, their top three in player of the season the season before. So. But look, I will, but even then, like signing all these players and rebuilding a team completely, like that, 
This is the, I think that's the difference. This is rebuilding a squad. That this was rebuilding is, a team. This is classic, like small club mentality, though. It's like you. you yeah. Wow! 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 It's like, this is wow. escalating you nicely you come now. On, you come on my podcast and say that about. No, Spurs. I'm saying your. Me- I'm wow. saying your mentality is small club. You're saying like, oh, I long for the days where we could just rebuild. This is so much better. You're in a position oh, of strength hang, no, and you're hang strengthening. On, hang on, Charlie. Oh, if on. only we were bringing Giovanni de Santos. Those heady you, days. You and Pitt Brook have been telling me doing well in MLS. since I uh, since I arrived on this podcast like a fox into the chicken coop you and uh, Jack Pitbrook have been telling me that Spurs' problem is they don't know when to sell their best players and now you're saying that you know we, the, the bail going etc etc um, I would never I, I'd never sell the best players I don't, I don't care if it works for Inter Milan Juventus Barcelona whoever don't do it is, is, is my policy and if you can back but James um a, I'm hearing you, and you're slightly deflating my own sense of optimism about the new season. And B, the people on Twitter are right. You are a negative sod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not being negative. I'm just saying in comparison to those other ones that I found those other ones. I'm, I'm entitled to my opinion. Oh, you are, oh, oh absolutely. 2008, enti- 2013, I was more excited. Do you, did you not like, read into that what you will? Could, were you a younger man then? Have you been ground down by experience? Were you younger in 2008? <laughs> was, yeah, oh, I, 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 re- I realise that is, you know, you know exactly what I mean. I know, I know. I'm being facetious. Uh, and I don't, I don't think the view from the lane, one of its many strengths, there has many strengths. I don't think it should become a psychological couch for James. I mean, A, neither of us are qualified, Charlie, and B, the fees would be enormous. Um, taking me around to the strengths of the podcast, um, how can I put this without sounding like I'm begging and pleading? <laughs> Um, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you um, to keep voting for us. We're on the verge, the cusp, the lip, some say, of winning an award. And the voting closes for this award um, on the 31st of July. But our rivals, who are an American podcast about Bayern Munich, yeah, try and try and think about the humiliation <laughs> if we lose to an American podcast about Bayern Munich. Um, they're, they're, they're not so far behind. So I need you all to continue to vote for the view from the lane. You have to go to worldsoccertalk.com. That's worldsoccertalk.com. Go to the best club podcast category and vote. Also get people who also support Spurs that you know to vote for it, even if they don't listen to the podcast. People who owe you money, get them to vote <laughs> as well. Um, I, I mean, I, if we lose, I'll pretend it didn't happen. But we want to win. So please, one more time. Um, it's worldsoccertalk.com. Please go and vote. I'm not joking. Um, Jack, we know, has um, won an award as junior reporter or something. And he told us very, very proudly last week. I don't think Charlie's ever won anything of this nature. And it would really be nice if he could but just once uh, be seen with something glittering on a, on an, a poorly lit stage. Um, which takes us to Tottenham's next fixture. And people will, there'll be some who don't know why it's called what it is. Um, We play Rangers on Saturday in the Walter Tull Memorial Cup. It's a friendly, and yes, of course, make jokes about pick, you know, winning a trophy and all the rest of it. I just wanted to um, to, to talk very briefly about Walter Tull. Now, look, he played a handful of games for Spurs, but he is a very famous and important footballer. Um, He was one of the very first black, but mixed race footballers um, to play. In England, I only make that point because um, 
there were others before him and their, their stories have emerged. But of course, his story has much more drama to it because he became the very first black or mixed race uh, non-commissioned officer in the British Army during the First World War, having, as I said, having played a few games for Spurs, but mostly having played for Northampton Town. And he was killed in 19, I think, 17. In 2014, so eight years ago, um, my better half was writing a piece um, for one of our national newspapers that required us to go for a week to the battlefields in France. Um, it was an extraordinary experience, I have to say. Um, some of it just incredible and it's left a real real deep um incision with me um but i made a point of doing two things um because you know i, I love modern history and i know all about the first world war i could go on mastermind actually and ask questions about it but um i made a point of going to the footballers memorial um where it's, it's a small uh, sort of obelisk thing about eight or nine feet high which is a tribute to all the english footballers who died in the british army um, and Scottish footballers as well. What was interesting about that was the number of scarves from different clubs just lying around the foot of the memorial. It was really touching. And I also made a point of going to Arras, um, where there's an enormous Edward Lutchin's um, rather brutal uh, sort of memorial to the people who fell out in, in that latter-day battle in the First, first World War. And I, I, you have to, luckily, they're alphabetical. Um, I, I managed to find Walter Tull's name. I was looking for it specifically. Um, so, you know, it, just if you get a chance, to, if you don't, don't already know this story, and it's been dramatised more and become more widely known in recent years, um, just get a chance to go and look at it. An extraordinary man who happened to play uh, for Tottenham Hotspur. Now comes one of the great podcast handbrake turns. As we go, <laughs> as we go from that, um, you know, a, an amazing man who did uh, revolutionary things in the confines of the British Army to... Does anybody like the new Spurs kit that's been unveiled? <laughs> now, uh, I know that um, trainers have become the thing, haven't they? And for designers, I uh, saw a whole load of Renault cars recently that are designed to look like the shape and general embodiment, um, if you like, of trainers. The new. You sure? Sorry, you sure those weren't roller skates? No, no, no. These were cars. Um, and I see, I see the, the new Spurs kit. For those of you who haven't seen it, it's um, sort of mid blue with black shoulders and a big yellow flash across the sternum. Um, and to me, it looks like the excellent trainers that Lidl sell in their centre aisle um, in, in the summer. Um, the Arsenal supporting producer says it's the ugliest kit he's ever seen. That's not right, is it? James, you, you'll have stronger views on this, I reckon, than I will. Uh, broadly speaking, and again, I, I, I don't wish to incur the wrath of... Uh, Everyone who listens to this podcast on Twitter. Why? People who people who get upset about football kids. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I, they're just not right. <laughs> <laughs> they're just not right. I, I, so, I don't want to get too deep, but there's so many so many terrible things happening in the world. You can't afford to get you can't afford to get worried about this. Wor worry about well, worry about global warming. If you're going to worry about anything this week, worry about that. And, and you won't care if if they go if they play, wear that kit in the Champions League away to Real Madrid and they win. No one is going to think that's a bad kit, right? Everyone will love that kit. That kit will be a cult classic. Look at that green kit that they wore away to Man City and away to Ajax in the Champions League in 2019. I'm fairly sure if you went back through people's tweets in the summer of 2018, people were hammering that kit. I don't think Spurs had had a green away kit before that I can remember. No. People were ripping that thing to pieces and it had that weird sort of North London map thing on it. Yep. People hated that kit. 
Uh, and the, you know, you go, you get to the Champions. All you have to do is get to the Champions League final, mm-hmm. and people will love it. <laughs> score, score a stoppage Easy. time winner from two 0 down. Easy, and you're fine. No, but the point is, uh, and, and that one in 2009-10, the home kit with all the yellow on it. People hated that. They get into the Champions League. It's a, like a cult kit. People love it. Uh, it. The kit will be entirely defined by how well Spurs do. I guess in this case, particularly away. You're, you're, this you're absolutely right in, t- in 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 two ways. Um, you know, the Beatles with an A is the worst name ever for a pop group, but mm. because they were so brilliant and so successful, it's now no one even thinks about um, the Beatles. That's what we're going with, is it? Um, and secondly, of course, such is the, the the way that the modern world um, and modern capitalism works. If you hate a football shirt, don't worry about it. There'll be another one along in three months' time, won't there? <laughs> yeah, exactly, it's not going yeah. to last. Th- there, there will be a third yeah. kit, right? Presumably at some oh, point. Oh, and probably a champi- month, so Champions like, League kit and uh, some kind of yeah. memorial kit for something that happened. Um, yeah, don't worry. Yeah, don't worry about it. And so that's uh, that's really, I think we've um, spoke about everything we possibly could at this stage. Um, thank you very, very much indeed for listening to us. And a lot of what we talked about was bouncing back and forth things that are in The Athletic. So if you're not already a subscriber, uh, you can sign up to read all of our stuff on Spurs as well as everything else that's on the site. Um, plenty for you to read right now with all the big transfers getting done over the summer, as well as all the articles we've mentioned and t- tactical analysis and all the rest of it. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod and sign up right now for just one pound a month for six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. We'll be back next week. Thank you all for listening. The Athletic.